Today's episode is killer. You are going to love it. Now, I know I say that about all my episodes, but that's basically because I honestly do think through every topic that I choose and every interview I do. And I think about questions that I see or comments and how I can help and how I can simplify topics and really create a community for like-minded women. So today's topic is so great. We're going to be talking about parent burnout and mom guilt. Dun, dun, dun. Like I promise everyone has experienced one of those two things and typically they're related. So today the interview is with Dr. Reem from Psyched Mommy. Asherina is legit. I have actually followed her on social media for a long time. Her social media handle is Psyched Mommy. And she shares really solid, clear information that I think is really helpful for mom guilt and burnout and just experiencing some of the emotions we experience as moms and understanding them. So we're going to get right into this interview. I know you're going to love her. I hope that it's helpful. And I hope that you realize that even though being a mom can be very rewarding and we can love our kids very much. At the same time, it can be really challenging and super hard. So we're going to kind of talk about those things today and hopefully you walk away feeling like, okay, I'm not alone and I know that these feelings are normal and ideas on how to fix them. And the sponsor for today's podcast is The Jovi Patch. I am super excited about this sponsor because I actually only choose sponsors that I truly believe in. And I have very bad period cramps. And when I got my own Jovi patch, I noticed a huge difference in the discomfort of my period cramps. 80% of women get the cramps and they are the worst. It's the worst and it happens every month. And the best part about the patch is it's reusable. So if you take care of it, it will last for years and years and help with your discomfort. The other unbelievable part about Jovi is they offer a 120-day money-back guarantee. That like proves that they stand behind their product. And I was super impressed personally. I think it is a great product and I love it because it did reduce my discomfort with my cramps. So if you want to try the Jovi patch, use the code Andrea, which is my first name. It's A-N-D. R-E-A, and you're going to get $20 off your patch. And remember, you can reuse it as much as you want. Just take care of it, and it's going to be a champion for you. I will also add a link for Jovi in the show notes. But again, it's Andrea for $20 off. My name's Andrea Allen, and I am a mother of four girls under seven, a wifey to a mountain man, a personal trainer, and a nutrition coach. I love all things women's health and fitness, but let's face it, the fitness industry is complicated and it's not built for the everyday mom. There's so much conflicting information and you're busy and you don't have time to figure it out. I hate feeling confused and overwhelmed. So I've made it my mission to simplify health and fitness while creating a welcoming, realistic, and empowering home for like-minded women. I'm happy you're here and I hope you stay a while. Hey, Asherina, I am so excited that you are on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I have been following you for a while, probably a couple of years, and every post that you put up, I like want to snap to and clap to. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, I feel this deep in my soul of souls <laughs> because they're so relatable and I think they're so good at explaining what I feel, but I don't understand that I'm feeling that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I don't realize that's an emotion that I'm experiencing and I see your post and I'm like, that's it. That's what I'm experiencing. So can you give us an overview of who you are and what you do? 
Sure. I, you know what's so funny about this question when people ask me, like, tell me about yourself. I'm like, well, where do we start? Do we go back to like the <laughs> day like, I, was I was born? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Then in third grade. <laughs> <laughs> right. The most traumatic event in my life. No, I'm kidding. But I um so my name is Asherina. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. And I am from Michigan. I'm married, been married for actually 10 years this year. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. My husband and I have been together for 14 years. We have a little guy um, and he just turned four yesterday. Oh, happy birthday to him. Thank you so much. So we've struggled. so great because they're out of two and three. (laughs) (laughs) He's the greatest, great age, great stage. We actually had some struggles with fertility. Um, I had like multiple miscarriages before I had my son. And then um, we've actually been struggling with secondary infertility because we've wanted to have another baby and add a baby to our family. So it's been a challenge. But the whole idea of Psyched Mommy came to be because of my my journey to motherhood. And um, it's so crazy that you don't know what you don't know. I was working in eating disorder recovery. I was working um, in health psychology and working at like MD Anderson Cancer Center with patients experiencing cancer and all of the mental health challenges that arise because of that. And it wasn't until I became pregnant after miscarriage and was so anxious and stressed about like all of the possibilities. And I was so worried. And then postpartum, it just got even worse because I was like, I have to protect my little baby. And I was just on edge all the time, so stressed that I thought to myself, like, what is going on with me? You know, what is happening here? And I started researching And then I got connected with Postpartum Support International and I became certified as a perinatal mental health specialist because I thought to myself, all of the struggles I went through, I knew there were other moms out there experiencing the same thing, but I had no one to talk to because no one I knew had experienced that from like conversation. So that, that is so beautiful. And that is that social media can be difficult and it can have its negatives. But to me, that is the brightest, most beautiful part of social media is you find these people where you're like, Oh, I'm not alone. I totally understand what you're saying. We struggled with fertility to have the twins. That's why I have twins because we did it through IVF mm-hmm. and that whole pregnancy. You're so stressed when it find when you finally get pregnant, like, Oh my gosh, I, you know, I want to do this right. I want the baby to be healthy. And then all postpartum, you feel alone. You're not leaving your house. Like it mm-hmm. seems like everyone has it together and you're like, why am I like struggling? Yes. <laughs> why am I struggling? And so I love that that was, you know, that you built your business and you, you know, switched fields because you're like, women need to know that this happens. It's okay. And it's normal and it can get better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 100%. That's how psyched mommy came to be when people like say like, oh, this is so relatable. I'm like, it's because it's born out of experience. Like it's born out of like, yes. my and, life. And no one knows before your mom, you think like, I'm going to be like the most chill, cool mom. And then yes. your mom and you're like, what the crap happened? Uh, no, <laughs> I am not the mom I thought I was going to be. Yeah. You like envision yourself and you're like, oh, I'm the cool aunt. But then once you're the mom, you're like, I'm not the same lady I was when I was the aunt. <laughs> totally. Yes. So that makes total sense. So um, as a specialist in that area, what are the most common issues that you see among mothers? I know there's mom guilt. I know there's burnout. But like, what do you see and what do you recognize? So much lately, I've noticed that burnout has been the biggest thing that has come up. And I mean, I don't, I get it, right? We just, we're experiencing like a pandemic. Everyone, every 
part of their self-care, their support network. Everything has been stripped from so many parents. So I totally understand why that's the case. But um, yeah, there's issues with burnout, identity crisis, like trying to navigate who you are now as a parent. I mean, that's a big deal, right? We go from caring about ourselves, having all this time with our partner, doing the things that we love, and then you're a parent and overnight, like your priorities flip. And I get that we are like, okay, you know, people will often say, like, I see this all, all the time in like my comment section from like random people that don't follow me. I'm sure you get those too, but oh, they'll yeah. say, they'll say something along the lines like, well, well, you wanted this, you wanted to become a parent or it was your choice then, you know, toughen up or suck it up kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know what you don't know before you oh, become totally. a, a mom. You know, it's not like, you know, you're going to be dealing with colic or with like sleep deprivation for two years for some parents. It's like, you just don't know. And I think we need to give way more grace to parents out there because the challenges are hard and we're all trying to find our footing in this new journey. So identity, um, burnout, mom guilt, anxiety, there are so many things that come up for the parents that I meet with. That's an ironic comment. And I feel that people make, because if you think about it, most everything worth having takes a lot of work. Yes. And it's hard. I mean, if you talk to Olympic athletes, you better believe there's blood, sweat, and tears and very emotional moments for them in the middle of this. Um, I know even for people who are religious, you know, there's the quote, like, I never said it would be easy, but I always said it'd be worth it. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as motherhood. It's, it's not easy. It's, hard. It's really hard. And there's things that we didn't understand, but I wouldn't change being a mother, but it doesn't mean that I don't have these emotions that mm -hmm. I need to learn to deal with so I can be better. I remember after I had the twins feeling like, obviously I do fitness. And so I remember feeling like I had some issues with um, postpartum that had to do with my fitness in my body. But I also remember mentally feeling like I am I'm a stranger in my body. Like I don't even... Mm know who I am. Like everything I was is different now. And while I love these two human beings more than anything, I don't even know who I am now. You know what I mean? Like I felt like this weird limbo. So I feel like that's very relatable. And I feel like most women would experience that. And I feel like to make those comments, it's like a little lack of empathy that like, uh -huh. even though you want something, it doesn't mean that it's not like really hard. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, and it doesn't mean that we don't need to learn on like coping skills and ways to deal with it. And like, feel better, which makes us better and a more functional parent, you know? Yes, for sure. And that's the, the challenge is when you don't know that you're going to grapple with, you know, an identity crisis. I remember going into my maternity leave. I was working at the hospital at that point. I was super duper pregnant and I just had all these lofty expectations of what I would be like. I, you know, you go in with blinders. You're like, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to take my maternity leave. I'm going to come back and I'm going to come back to my position and I'm going to build myself as a psychologist. And it was crazy because I went on my maternity leave and there was a part of me that was like, I never want to go back to work. I don't want oh my to leave gosh, my yes. son. I don't want to leave my son. I don't want to, you know, leave him. I don't want to leave him with anybody. He's mine and he needs to be with me. And then there was this other part of me that thought, who am I? And gosh, this isn't that fulfilling all by itself. So it was like this two parts of me that were fighting in it. Like, you know, the one part that was like, I want to stay close and I want to be close and I don't want to leave you and I don't want to work. And then there was this other part that was like, who am I? Who am oh I outside gosh. of this role? And it's like, it's crazy making. It is crazy. And that's what's hard is women in every shoes, like a mother in every shoes struggles with that. So like there's the tug of war 
for the working mom who's like, I want to be with you and I feel guilty mm-hmm. not working mm-hmm. when I'm with you. But then when I'm working, I feel guilty not being with you. And then the mother who doesn't work is like, I feel like Groundhog's Day and I feel like I wish I did something else that was fulfilling as well. And and the working mom's like, I want to do this. So it's like this complete, I don't even know how to, this aura of like confusion for, for everyone, no matter what your role is or what your exact situation is, we feel this guilt for something else we aren't doing or are doing or, mm-hmm. you know, and that is, that is hard. I think that's hard for women. And then they feel like those comments, like, I shouldn't feel this way. I should just be okay, which then almost buries those feelings more and makes them worse. Yes. It's like the, es- this is the essence of mom guilt because this is what comes up for so many um, moms everywhere. And I like the whole idea of guilt and mom guilt is it's like some people don't even know what it is until you name it. So let's get into that real fast. What are okay. some signs of mom guilt? Like what, how would we recognize that in ourselves? Because I think you're right. Some people know it and then other people just think this is just me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is like, first it's like identifying what the difference is between guilt and shame um, and like how they come up and what it looks like. So guilt, especially like in our motherhood journey is usually like an indicator, like I've wronged somebody, I did something wrong, I hurt them. And that can be productive because say, for example, you did, maybe you like lashed out on your kids or your husband and you were like, ah, that didn't feel good. And it's a nudge telling me like, I need to repair this and I need to correct it. That didn't feel good. That is productive guilt because it kind of has, gives us our moral standard. It helps us to stay on track with people and to be protective. But then there's this like unproductive set of guilt where you do something like maybe you go to set a boundary with somebody and they don't respect it and they push back or they get defensive and then you start to question yourself and you question like, oh, I hurt them. I shouldn't have done that. So guilt is about how we interact with others and the feelings of I I did something wrong. Shame is where we turn those like really unproductive and unhelpful um, thoughts and feelings of guilt, and we turn them inward toward ourself. And shame tells us, like, I am a bad person. I am flawed. Oh, so guilt you would more consider like a way to learn and better ourselves, and shame makes us embarrassed almost yeah. of ourselves. I mean, guilt can be unproductive because obviously, yeah. like, you could say like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. And but all of these like unproductive guilt and shame, you will find them. And this is the biggest indicator is when you find yourself talking out of shoulds. And we have like a therapist joke where we say like, stop shooting on yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's the best. (laughs) Yes, because you'll Because you do, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah. All these things. And then you lay awake at night saying, I shoulda done this. And that Mm -hmm. is hilarious. Stop shooting on yourself. (laughs) It's so true. It's like we're shitting on ourselves. We're telling, and they're based in unrealistic expectations or things that are very unattainable. And that's where you'll, like, if you're doing that, you'll know I'm experiencing this sense of mom guilt or even shame where we are, you know, telling ourselves, gosh, I should have known better. I should feed the kids, you know, this kind of, these kind of meals all day long. I should be working or I should be at home. And whatever the case may be, whatever it looks like for you, if you're hearing those words, if you're finding that you're putting yourself down and comparing yourself and doing all these things, you're likely really into that mom guilt and the spiral of shame. So those are things to be paying attention to. 
I love that you say it needs to be productive because as you're talking and saying that, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like sometimes you make a mistake and you feel guilt and it makes you better. Like you mm-hmm. learn to do it differently. But then sometimes it's not productive where you just beat down on yourself over yes. and over and over again. And then it's unproductive, shameful and guilt, which doesn't make us feel good. It doesn't make us a better mom. It doesn't make us a better partner. And it doesn't make us love ourselves more. Right. Absolutely. <sighs> That's We've never like, you can never shame yourself into being like a better version of yourself. No. <laughs> I think that's like what we think sometimes. It's like, well, I mean, I deserve this. And like, we'll get that internal dialogue. It's really important to pay attention to how we talk to, talk to ourselves. I literally just did a post on that this week for fitness is I'm like, we have got to stop shaming ourselves into trying to be fitter. It just makes you feel less than. It makes right. you feel not as good. That's never, it's not empowering. Shame is not empowering. It never leads you to a higher road. It never does anything useful for you, but to feel negative about yourself, which, you know, never pays off. Absolutely. So Absolutely. that's a really good sign, you know, in a way that's, how else does it manifest? So like, if we start to recognize, is this productive guilt? Is this unproductive? Like, how else does it manifest in our behaviors? hmm so you'll notice if you are in that like unproductive guilt or even like that spiral of shame, you might be the kind of person that says like, I have low self-esteem because you've been beating yourself down for so long. And you might isolate and want to disconnect from other people because you feel like you are not meeting like this expectation. You might also be in a cycle of comparison where you compare yourselves, you're, you compare yourself a lot and you find and you, or you tell yourself that. I'm not measuring up to what everybody else is doing. And your like self statements are really negative and people will probably notice that. Like it'll change how you carry yourself, how you take care of yourself. My guess is that when you're in, you know, this unproductive guilt and shame spiral, you're not going to be taking care of yourself like somebody who's worthwhile and deserving because we don't treat things that we think are undeserving with great respect and love and care. So you'll notice the way that you treat yourself, um, the things that you think you quote unquote deserve or don't deserve will be very evident. So you almost emotionally abuse yourself and you're like, I'm not worth, I'm not worth respecting myself so I can continue to treat myself and say these mean things to myself and feel, you know, the shame. That's really interesting. I love that you explained that about you know, treating yourself, if you think you're not worthwhile, then you won't treat yourself that way. It's like when we start to think of ourselves as like being outside, you know, like another person, a separate entity, it makes so much sense to say like, how do you treat the things that you love and respect? You know, do you talk down to them? Do you shame them? Like, would you ever do that to your, your child? Or do you ever do that to like one of your best, very good friends, or maybe your partner, if you love and respect them? Like, how would you talk to them that way? And my guess is we don't do that to the people that we love and respect. And it's so much easier to self-deprecate and do that to ourselves. So we really just have to be mindful of that behavior. Yeah, that makes sense. What about some other behaviors? Like I know I've seen like anger or like anything else that could sometimes be linked with. Yeah. I mean, if you think about like if I am in a spiral of unproductive guilt or shame, and often when we have like low esteem, when we feel poor about ourselves, when we've been self-deprecating all day, when we're not taking care of ourselves, we might become more agitated and we might be snapping at other people because it's kind of like this projection of our inner world where whatever it is that we are feeling inside, we do take it, we can take it out on those that we love. Um, 
And it's just, it's a projection of what we're feeling internally and it's not pretty. And that's kind of how it comes out. And it's not necessarily because that's what we want. We don't want that, right? Who wants to feel that way? No one wants to feel like they're beating themselves up, taking it out under the ones that they love, but it's, it's not pretty until we get to the root of what is causing this and start to dig, do a little bit of digging and do a little bit of work. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So along with mom guilt, and I know parent burnout is a little bit different. I want to kind of go and talk about that too, because we've kind of covered mom guilt. Are they linked? Is mom guilt linked with burnout or can sometimes, are they separate? Like what are some signs of burnout? Because maybe so someone, many. maybe someone saying like, I don't know if I do the mom guilt thing, but I still feel just off and I feel, um, you know, disconnected from my kids or whatever else. And mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's more of parent burnout. Mm-hmm. My guess is that if you're experiencing one of these, you're experiencing the other. And I'm going okay. to explain to you. So they're like sisters. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. Maybe distant, maybe close. Who knows? But we are, <laughs> but when you're in this like unproductive guilt and shame spiral, this is a like a trigger or a vulnerability for feelings of burnout. Because it is one of the things that makes chronic, like makes you experience stress. Who feels good about talking to themselves that way or feeling that way? It is, it takes up a lot of your mental space. It impacts your body. And this is something that is a vulnerability or like a trigger for burnout. And let me explain a little bit about burnout and parental burnout. So burnout is typically when we're feeling this unrelenting like feelings of exhaustion, we feel disconnected, we don't feel like we're doing a good enough job, and it's a shift from how we have previously felt. Well, when we put this in the in the case of like parenting, it's all of those same things. Like you are exhausted by your parenting role. You feel overwhelmed. Maybe you feel emotionally disconnected. And it's kind of like when your kids are, you know, they're always like, mommy, mommy, look at this. Look at this. I want to read this to you. Look at me do this. And you're just like, I don't even have the bandwidth to engage with you because I am so drained. I'm only laughing a little bit because <laughs> I have so been there. And sometimes I... <laughs> I have a friend who, I have a friend who literally told me one time she used to say to her kids sometimes, oh, my, my ears are tired. My ears are tired. (laughs) I just need a few little break to rest my ears instead of my eyes. Yes. And I was like, oh, you feel that way sometimes. We were like, oh, my ears are tired. They're tired. And so Mm -hmm. is my body. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Or like the thought of parenting, like you wake up in the morning And I was actually feeling this last year in like the peak of the pandemic. I was like, when you, you know, you get your feet on the ground and you're just like, oh, I don't want to do this for another day. I just don't feel like I can. I don't have like the juice as I call it. And then you feel the mom guilt of like, I'm such a bad mom because I don't want to do this today. But it's actually what they're linked and it is normal, you know? Yeah. So when we are pushed beyond our limit, with more and more demands, with less and less support, we are on the fast track to burnout. And that's what burnout is. It's like this equation where you're saying we're piling on more responsibility, but we're taking away all of your coping skills and all of your supports. We know that you're on the fast track to burnout because, I mean, what is going to happen? It's like if you were to go to work in a hospital setting, say you're a nurse or you're a physician or respiratory therapist or whatever, and they're like, well, you're, you're scheduled to work one 12-hour shift. And then they say to you, you know what? 
the person that's relieving you has called off, you're going to work another 12 hours and then another 12 hours and then another 12 hours. And we're not going to give you a break. You know, what's going to happen? There would be some labor laws in place and uh, some lawsuits happening. But in parenthood, this does happen where we are pushed. Like we, our kid was up all night and they were sick. And now we have to wake up after no sleep and we have to pick up the pieces and do all the things because life must go on. Of course, we're going to experience burnout. And burnout is different from stress because stress is the experience that we have in our body when there is a stressor in our environment. So it's usually like a time-limited thing. I mean, but when it becomes chronic and it does not, there's like no letting up, chronic stress can lead to burnout. And I always give the example of like, it's, you need to get to the root of stress when it's happening so it doesn't lead to burnout. It's like getting like a chip in your windshield and fixing that before it cracks all the way over and you can't see and there's no visibility. So we want to like address those little, the little bits of stress before we find that we're in a place of no return or that's going to take a lot more work to undo. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So once you have a parent, let's say you have a client that comes in and they they have let the stress crack and it is mm-hmm. like a shattered, shattered windshield mm-hmm. <laughs> and they've got the mom gill out the window and they're just burnt out. Like, mm-hmm. what do you do with them? How do you, um, you know, give them what type of coping skills do you suggest or, you know, ideas or ways for them to learn to recognize maybe I need to take back, you know, a step from the situation? Yeah, I would say just drop your kids off and your husband and run away, burn the house. I'm just kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I laugh so hard. There's I've seen a, a reel on Instagram where it's like when I tell my kid my husband it's his turn, you know, his weekend for the kids, and he reminds me I'm happily, we're happily married. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the mom's like falling down the stairs, like yes. oh. <laughs> That is exactly it. No, I'm kidding because we need to inject, like inject humor, obviously, into parents. You have to. <laughs> yeah. You you have to because if it is so serious, then you leave feeling more discouraged than you did. You gotta laugh it off and be like, "Oh yeah, it's cray cray." <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. No, but when we're dealing with burnout, I think one of the things is like to acknowledge that it's real because part of us, you know, sometimes even people with support will say like, "Gosh." Well, I have no business feeling this way. I have support or I got that break. It's that guilt. (laughs) mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. So we lay it on thick. So there are so many things. There's a number of things that we can do. But one of the most important things that we can do and what research is finding is that um, moving our bodies is actually incredibly important in resolving that accumulation of stress that we have in our body. It addresses that accumulation of stress that we have in our body. So moving our body, caring for ourselves in a way that is nourishing and uplifting and recharging. So like, how do I create space in my day to day? And I don't mean like hours and hours of time because people will be like, I don't have the time. What do you mean? And I get that. Um, I mean, like, how do I remove those things that are causing more stress? Like perhaps for some people it is like mindlessly scrolling for hours on their phone. Like yeah. at night when their kids are in bed and they're just scrolling, you know, because they want to I think people should put a time limit. I'm just going to put it out there. I have a time limit. I can't get on it. I run an entire business off Instagram and I have a time limit because I know that when I scroll too long, 
my brain doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. It just, I don't know how to explain it. It just doesn't feel right when I'm just mindlessly scrolling. It's not productive. And so I will be like, this is some downtime. I'm going to take, you know, 10 minutes. But like, I think a time limit is smart just being aware. I totally agree with you. And I think it's necessary. And you just got to be mindful of like, what am I following? Does it make me feel good? Or is it actually impacting my mood? What are the things that I'm doing throughout my day? Are there people that I talk to and I engage with that are impacting my mood in a negative way? Mm -hmm. Am I voicing my needs to the people around me? Do they know I need support? Am I getting a minute, like maybe it's even 15 minutes where I am like moving my body in a way that feels good? And like, am I talking to myself in a way that is productive? So like we're talking about like that self-dialogue. How am I talking to myself? And this is not just like a concept I made up and I'm telling you like you should be kinder to yourself and you know it's really woo woo and crunchy. The idea is actually based in science. It's been it's rooted in science. The idea that when we talk to ourselves with more compassion and kindness and we say, you know, we kind of like talk to ourselves like a good friend, we are signaling the feel good hormones in our body. And we are combating stress. But when we're critical, the complete opposite thing is happening in our body. And it is, you know, it's triggering the release of cortisol, the stress hormone, and it's activating that stress response cycle. So the way that we talk to ourselves, the way that we address ourselves, it really matters when we talk about stress and burnout. So paying attention to that is incredibly important. Yeah. I think that's really interesting coming from, um, the fitness side, I, and I know I've mentioned this before in my podcast, the reason I got into fitness in the first place was because when I was 19, I went through a stage of depression Mm -hmm. and I, my dad literally told me to go on a walk and that's how it all started. I went on a walk, which turned into a running, which turned into teaching and coaching and, and everything. And, and something I do see among women now is you're right in that they think I don't have hours and hours, which is partly after I had my twins, I felt like I can't, I was an instructor at the gym. I was like, I can't even get to the gym. I got two babies to feed. I'm changing their diapers. I don't have time. So that's why I started doing fitness at home. But even then I agree with you that it's like, take 10 minutes. And even, even sometimes I literally remember sometimes circling even around my island kitchen, because in Arizona, it gets really hot, but even Mm -hmm. the movement helped calm my brain. And then I think, you know, when we talked about the talking, I feel like we say that a lot, but people don't take that to heart that like how you talk to yourself is going to affect how you treat yourself for the rest of your life. Yes. So it becomes your it. inner dialogue. Yes. And I love that you're pointing that out, that it's not just like, oh, talk to yourself nice. Like I feel like people hear that and they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't realize how it actually is affecting their cortisol, as you mm-hmm. said, which is affecting their guilt, which is affecting their burnout. And then it's like this terrible cycle of like negative feelings. Mm-hmm. Like, Can you imagine hearing one of your kids like talking to themselves out loud, but using your own inner dialogue? And I think that is where we need to think about it. Like, Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> that would be terrible. Like sometimes when you hear the way people talk, even with my clients, sometimes I'll hear the things they say and I'm like, Oh, oh no, we need to change the way mm-hmm. you think about yourself because that's not okay. Mm-hmm. It is, 
it's critical in like forming our identity and for, forming our esteem, how we relate to people. And then obviously like the, like how much stress we carry. If it's like having a really bad friend that's attached to our hip, like if you had a friend that was bullying you and, you know, just every day you got on the phone with them or anytime you saw them, they were like putting you down, told you, I hate what you're wearing. Gosh, you need to work on your body or like you can't do anything right. You would dump that friend, I hope, right? You, you would totally ditch that would. friend. Like you would or be like, it, I or never you had a friend like that. You would yes. be like, that friend's not allowed to come over anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we do it to ourselves. That's really interesting to think about that. Are you that friend for yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like who are if you are, you need to drop her off somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you need to drop her you need off. To open the car door and say, get out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to get you to your final destination. Yeah. I'm just gonna You're have done. To. You got to walk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh. So that's, I guess that's important. So, you know, the inner dialogue and, you know, moving. What other things do you feel like would be helpful if someone feels like I've hit burnout? There are, I mean, obviously asking for help and knowing that like, if you're in this extreme place of burnout, one thing I want to really hammer home is that you can ask for help and find a therapist if you need to. There is no such thing as talking to someone too early in your journey. Um, Sometimes we need to see things from like a different perspective because when we're sucked in a situation, it feels like you can't see outside of it. And having somebody walk alongside that journey with you and really helping you to like see what it looks like from the outside can be helpful. And they'll kind of help you move further away from like that intense core of what's going on. So finding support, talking to yourself in a different way, um, creating space between what is stressing you out. So so, like that's, that's your kids. (laughs) because parenting, it usually is. We need to find ways to just create a little bit of space, you know, teaching our kids the skills of independent play or asking somebody for like a consistent time. Like if you have a partner in your life, you know, asking them like every day or every Wednesday or whatever works. Obviously, I know every situation is so different, but writing it in, making it a part of your schedule so it cannot be pushed back to something else. Oh, like an appointment. Like, yes. hey, can Tuesday nights, can you watch the kids for an hour and I'm yes. going to go in my room? <laughs> exactly. No, or I'm exactly. going to go to Target or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, making it a scheduled thing that does not get pushed back. Because if we say to ourselves, I will do this once I get all these other things done or I'll do this if I have time, it's never going to get done. Things that are yeah. scheduled are the things that happen. Things that are on in our like appointment books are the things that happen. Um, but I also do like a really good inventory of, I do this in, I do, I have an overcoming parental burnout course and we do an inventory of like what your day to day looks like to think about like, how do I create space in my schedule with the time that I have and the resources that I have, what is taking up too much space, but also creating working hours. So the problem that we're having right now, working from home has been like, really helpful for a lot of people, but it can also be really harmful because it gets intertwined in, you know, where are the lines? Where are the boundaries? There there aren't any, you know, we're responding to emails at like 10, 11 PM. We're working all day. We're, you know, we're like texting with people. And I get that there is a need to get things done when we're working, when we're working from home and we're managing all these things. But can we create structure where we say, these are my office hours. 
even if I'm working from home, even if I'm whatever, maybe I'm responding to text messages from people I care about, but creating like hours of operation where anything outside of that doesn't have to get answered right in this moment. Part of burnout is our, like how we become so accessible to everybody. The world yeah. is like has access to us, right? Our, our colleagues from work, our family, our friends, our children, our partner, everybody can just like access us at all times. That is a recipe for burnout. And we just need to create some boundaries with, okay, well, that was, I'm not going to check my email until tomorrow because I, it's not my quote unquote office hours. Or just because someone texts me does not mean I have to text them right now with all of the answers. Or I, I don't feel like taking this call right now. I, that's okay too. It's just understanding that just because people can access us via the internet or our phone or whatever, doesn't mean that they have to have access to us. Oh, I love that because I think you're right in that right now everything is, when you said everyone's so accessible, I'm like, yes, I feel that because sometimes even for me, that's something I've worked on is setting boundaries in that way with my work hours because if you check once or if you randomly start checking, you'll be like, I'm going to answer this one email. It'll be so fast. Mm -hmm. And then you, before you know it, you're like five emails in and then your kid needs something. You're like, hold on, I'm finishing an email. And so those hours help you separate your hats. So like my husband, I feel like is very good at you know, this is my dad hat. This is my work hat. I'm going to take in switching, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Switching his priorities. And I feel like moms instead are like, I'm going to wear a hat that has lots of hats connected yes. to it. <laughs> my biggest hat ever. Yeah. That I mean, everything. yeah. And then I'm going to put a, everything on top of each other. And you're basically saying when you do work, you know, do work. If you can take off your work hat for a certain amount of hours, then you'll actually enjoy your kids because you're not trying to multitask. Yes. You're not trying to do it all at once. So I think that's really smart about the work hours if you work from home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because multitasking has become like this badge of honor that mothers wear. Like, oh, you're so good. It's your superpower. You know, you can do it all. But it's like it comes with a price. And often what I find is like if I'm trying to multitask, so like that's one thing we encourage people if they're experiencing burnout is do not multitask. It's going yeah. to harm you. And I will tell you this from personal experience. Any day that I've ever tried to multitask where like if I don't have somebody watching my son and I am trying to do some work and hang out with him, I am so irritable with him. I'm like, can you give mommy a minute? You know, like like my my voice changes. I'm short with him. Like it's his fault that I am trying to do too many things. Yes. I remember seeing um, a study done where they wrote the word multitasking and then they wrote balance underneath it and they, they, you know, started a timer and said, write out multitasking and balance. First, write multitasking balance. And it took them, I can't remember, like 15 seconds. And then they said, now do a letter for each one going back and forth between like, so the multitasking and the balance. So you do the M for multitasking, the B for balance, the U and going back and forth between the two. And it took them like five times as long to write two words because they weren't doing a good job. They were, had to do it slower and it basically showed doing two things at once isn't effective. And I feel like mm-hmm. it is true that way with motherhood and working. And and that's what's hard because sometimes we have to do more than one thing yeah. at a time. But if we could, you know, take an inventory of like, what do I really have to do right now? I love that you have, what is your course called that it's called Parent it, Burnout? It's called Overcoming Parental Burnout. Yep. I love that you have that because I know that there's some women who are going to say, I have no space. I don't have any space to do this, or I don't have any support at all. And I'm sure that as, you know, a therapist, 
you would recognize that. You know what I mean? Where it's like, no, there is, you're just not seeing it. So when people say that to you, like there's no room for space or there's no one to help me, how do you respond to that? Because I know some people are thinking that right now. Well, I think it's a very common, I mean, I say that sometimes. I say that to my yeah. husband. I'm like, I don't have time. I don't even have another minute, you know, but really. Like, I'm trying yeah. to blink. <laughs> yes. And I think sometimes that's just like a product of our overwhelm. And we know that's not like the actual case, but it feels that way. Because if we do, and what we do in the course is we do a deep dive into like the the um, day-to-day, every day. And we want to see what has been what's time wasted. I hate to say that, but no, really we do. There's, and I don't mean that they're wasted. Like some, you're not doing something. I just think that it could be better allocated somewhere else where we're doing stuff that we think is important, but it's not really based in our priorities or our values. So it's about like being intentional about the things that we do, paying attention to how things make us feel throughout the day and just learning new skills. I also teach skills in the course for how to calm your nervous system so that you're not so stressed out. You know, I teach skills on like relaxation and how to um, shift the way that we think and the way that we talk to ourselves. And there's a lot of exercises. And the reason that I, I made, like, so this is obviously an upcoming parental burnout course. All of the sessions are less than 10 minutes because I know that parents that are burned out don't have time to be sitting in front of a screen for, you know, two hours. That was so, smart of you. <laughs> I'm like, it's a 10 minute segment. You listen to the 10, 10 minutes, you do an exercise and you move on. Um, and then you apply that. And the hope is, is that you apply all of the skills. And there are so many that you learn throughout the course that you feel the ease of that load. It's like, okay, whew, I yeah. can breathe again. I can take a breath. So part of it, you feel like if people um, wanted to kind of do this on their own and like they would need to lay out kind of what you teach them is to lay out your entire day, see what's productive, see what's not, see what's a priority, see what's not, and then see how you can find windows of time. That's one way. But if we're just in the moment thinking, we're not going to be able to see the whole, it's like having a calendar. When you try to plan out a month without a calendar, I mess up days all the time. I don't get things right. I'm like, oh, I'm so busy. But then when I actually put it down on a calendar, I'm like, oh, well, I have this day, nothing this day. And I don't see it that way. So you're like, you need to do that with your day to day. Oh, yeah. Lay it out and you will find spaces. But if you're just trying to mentally lay it out, you'll be like, nope, too busy. <laughs> don't have space. Yeah. And I think sometimes like, yeah, you're like what we, what we imagine in our brain, what's actually happening. That's okay. So this is going to be from like a perspective of, I'm sure this is, might not jive with a lot of people, but it might click for somebody. It's like when you say, I've worked with, I had to work with a dietitian because I was having some like food allergy issues. And she was like, can you like, what is your eating like? And I'm like, it's really generally good. I I mean, I eat all these things. I I, I don't really think I'm eating my trigger foods. And then she made me log it. Yeah. And then the minute I logged it, she was like, wow, but look at this yesterday. You ate this trigger food eight times. And I was like, okay. Well, so I, that's actually jives with me because for my clients, I actually have them do three days of food journal because often women under eat yeah. and they're like, I binge and I have cravings. And all they're seeing is I have cravings. I have no willpower. I have no control. And I look at it as like, no, that's coming from somewhere. There's mm-hmm. something wrong. And normally they'll, I have them collect three days of food journals and they send me their food journal. And I'll say, the problem is you're under eating. So mm-hmm. that's the actual cause and the effect is, is 
that you're having cravings. That's not the problem. And you're right. only seeing the binging. So you think I'm, you know, shameful or I have no willpower. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's because your diet is bad. You're not eating enough food, which is forcing you into those feelings. Mm -hmm. So I increase their food amount and then they realize the binging and the cravings go away. So that makes sense what you're saying completely to me because often we just don't see it that way. Right. We might think something's a problem and that's actually not, that's actually, there's something else that's causing it. Mm-hmm. You know, the fair, like when growing up, we used to have this like local fair and they had like those funny mirror, like the little, yes, that's yes. what it's like. It's like, it we, is. it's like, we're seeing our life, whatever the case is through this lens, that's not right. And we've that believed it. That is a it. great example because when they tell me this, like when clients say, and they look at themselves as like, I have no control. And I'm like, no, it's because your diet is terrible. Not because you're like un- eating so bad. It's because you're eating not the right amount to make your body feel good to not have those emotions, right. to not overeat, to not binge. You know, if we can make you feel good on a day to day, those will go away. And they do. Right. You know what I mean? So I, that analogy makes great sense to me because we don't, I think we get so wrapped up even with mom guilt and with burnout in those funny mirrors where we're like, yep, this is how it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is exactly what's going on. And having someone else like a therapist or doing a course like you have or something else, you know, writing it all out might make us be like, oh, oh, maybe there is something else going on. I'm not this terrible person. I'm not this bad mom. You know, I'm not this or that. I just don't have things maybe laid out correctly or I need help with this or that. And they can find coping skills better that way. Absolutely. It's truly what it is. It's finding what works for you, right? The skills that you need. And I think so much of life is that we're just, we don't have the right skills. And it's like, you're, you're going to work with the wrong tool set on this project that you have. And it's like, well, I'm what we are wired to do and what we find like in society is like we end up turning in on ourselves and say like, I'm so stupid. I shouldn't, I should have known better. And it's like, no, well, you've got the wrong box of tools. And if I give you the right tools and if I give you the tools that are going to help you get this project done, you're going to be able to do it and you're going to do it well. So just, you know, bear with me. Let's figure this out together. You're not a bad person. You're not all these things you've been telling yourself. You just need more support. That makes total sense. I love the analogy with the toolbox because you're right. If you're at a job and you don't have the right tools, that's not going to go well. And people aren't recognizing that. Mm -hmm. The last question I kind of wanted to ask you since we've really, I feel like, touched on the big umbrella of parent burnout and mom guilt and why it's happening and how to, you know, cope with it and some other things. What is the number one that you would think would be a sign to recognize it, like just two or three things you could think of off the top of your head. I know we've kind of already covered this, but like in a simple way, like if you are experiencing A, B, and C, you might want to look into, you know, thinking about parent burnout and how to address Mm -hmm. it. I would say it's like, if you're noticing that, like, I'm not, I'm not acting like myself right now. Um, I'm maybe short with my kids or my partner, or I am, you know, using a lot of those should statements. I just feel maybe more sluggish or tired. I am, um, maybe I'm like relying on a substance. Like maybe I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. I need more caffeine. And I, I find this a lot with parents, um, that are experiencing burnout, ex- especially is that they're like, I had three, four cups of coffee and I'm still so tired. And then they transition from coffee to, you know, I'm going to be drinking alcohol or I'm, 
you know, taking more prescriptions for pain because I'm feeling the pain in my body. There are so many ways that this manifests. But if you're noticing, like, I just don't, I feel unwell. I don't feel good. I don't feel like myself. I don't feel like I'm um, living the life I want to be living. It's, it's, it's a sign that I need to check into these feelings. And obviously, I see your healthcare provider. If there is nothing else that's going on with your labs or something that is off. Yeah. But you're noticing there's a shift. Be paying attention because anytime a parent comes to see me and they say, like, I just don't feel like myself, that to me is a clear cut sign that something is going on that we need to investigate and that we need to get get to. Um, I actually had an experience like this. You know, it's just crazy. I was was just telling you about how I was feeling so burned out last year. So I thought to myself, like, I just need a little more caffeine. And I was drinking these specific beverages that were caffeinated. I will not name them. <laughs> An unnamed <laughs> substance. <laughs> it's a just, it's like some kind of caffeine, but it's like they, the advertising makes it seem like it's healthy. So yeah, I was like, like a having, tricky market. <laughs> yes. So here I am, I'm having one and I was having one like every day and I loved it. So I, cause I, I was like, I'm off the coffee. I'm going to drink these. And I was having one and then I was having another one in the afternoon. I was so irritable. It was making me, I didn't realize, didn't even connect the dots until months later because I was like getting so cranky. But I I was like, gosh, what is going on with me? I don't, my heart is racing. I'm more irritable. I'm just, something's up with me. I must be so stressed out. And my husband is like, man, you have not been so pleasant to be around. <laughs> Uh, and, and we I, do kind of take out that resentment on our partners. I know you talk about that on your Instagram a lot and that yeah. sometimes we start to resent our partners when we're burnt out or mm-hmm. if we have a mom guilt, then all of a sudden we're like kind of upset with them because you're like, you're supposed to be my partner, but I feel like I'm taking the, the weight. Yeah, so I know that's common. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But once I tied that together, I am not kidding. I was I was driving, we were going to church and this is like how I connected the dots. And it was very recently. And I'm like drinking one of these little fancy beverages (laughs) thinking I'm doing myself a solid. And I actually only drank half because I started to feel like crap. And then my husband finished it off. And then he was like, gosh, my head feels like it's on a million. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're making this worse on ourselves. You know, we are fueling the fire with things that are not working. But yeah, I didn't feel like myself. Something was off. I was obviously tired and burned out and doing all of this stuff. And then I was like putting a Band-Aid on it from what I thought was going to help me. And it wasn't. It was making things worse. So that's a long way of saying that when you don't feel like yourself, when you feel like something is off, instead of, you know, burying it with something else or making it worse, we just need to get to the root of what's causing this and figure out how we can best support ourselves. We do, I feel like, try to use external things to put band-aids on things when often we need to go internally and mm-hmm. find out what's going on. I am a really big believer in the mind-body connection. I think the things that happen in our mind affect our bodies, which affect how we feel, which affect our health and our fitness and so many things. So that makes sense that you're like, you got to sometimes, we look for these external coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. but sometimes you need to internally sit down in the quiet and be like, what? am I feeling? When am I feeling it? And Mm -hmm. why do I think I'm feeling it? Yeah. And I actually, you know what I ended up doing when I kicked that to the curb? Yes. 
I actually was inspired by you, if I'm going to be honest with you. I saw you, I saw you doing some cardio kickboxing. Oh, I, I so. live and die by cardio kickboxing. I love it, like with my whole heart. So I, I used to, like 15 years ago, I used to love cardio kickboxing. And I just love that high energy feeling. And I'm like, I'm going to get back into this. So I started doing some cardio kickbox. I was actually doing like, I was still doing this stuff. Um, some kickboxing classes, like strike classes, like early in the morning, like first thing in the morning, like I wake up, I do, and I do that. And now I'm like, I don't even need a coffee. I'm just like, I feel so Yes, I love that. I love, love, love that. Everyone knows I love kickboxing. I don't kickbox because like, I'm like, oh, it's going to help me, you know, whatever, look better. I kickbox because it is a mental game changer. It It makes me feel alive, like so alive. So I'm so happy that I'm glad that you, you know, tried that back out because I swear my husband was like, babe, it's either me or the kickboxing. I'd be like, I'm "I'm sorry. I know we've been married like 12 years, but you got to (laughs) go. I like love it. But yeah, you're right in that it's, you know, you had to kind of think it through and how can I find a a healthy coping skill because I think we don't reach for healthy ones all the time. But I love right. that. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm just punching air and kicking stuff. All Perfect. The time. So people ask me all the time, "Are you like hitting anything?" I'm like, "No, I'm hitting my emotions." <laughs> so, Asherina, where can we find you? Like, where can we connect or find you know your programs? Or I know you're on social media. Yes, I am psyched, mommy everywhere, and that's P S Y C H E D M O M M Y. Um, I'm Psyched Mommy on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, it, as well as psychedmommy.com is my website. And if you ever Perfect. had a question, you could email me at hello at psychedmommy. But it's pretty streamlined that way. Yeah. And Asherina <laughs> does have some killer courses. Like I was impressed when I was looking at her science stuff. I was like, oh, I need to take that and that. <laughs> Thank and, you. And that and that and that. <laughs> I was like, you need to get my emotions right. So yes, check her out, her social media. Every post that she does is so relatable and it will make you feel like, oh, there is a tribe for me. I'm not alone in this motherhood journey. And no, you are not a bad mom or because you sometimes struggle with being a mom. Most moms do. That's normal. And we should reach out to each other and be like, hey, we're a team. Let's help each other feel awesome. Because being a mom really is very rewarding, but it is very challenging too. And we can be okay with that. Absolutely. No, I totally agree with you. Perfect. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. I hope this podcast episode was helpful. If you did find it helpful, I really appreciate it. If you share it on social media, I always look for those tags and mentions and try to reshare them. I also would appreciate if you would subscribe to the podcast, go up to wherever you're listening to the podcast and click subscribe. And then all the episodes automatically download to your phone. So you won't miss any of them. And as always, your reviews mean the world to me. It helps me grow. It helps the podcast get better and better. So if you could write a review or leave a review. It's very helpful. You can also do that wherever you listen to your podcasts and I make sure to read those as well. You're always doing better than you think you are and we'll chat next week.